Thank you for tuning into the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is iGrow's session entitled Help. I'm called to preach. And so this lesson is specifically for those that have or feel a calling to preach. We're going to talk about what that means. Um, if uh, so I want to clarify tonight, first of all, right off the bat, we're not going to, even though we, we use the word preach, we're not going to really talk about preaching and the art of preaching or how to preach or to put sermons together. So if you thought that's kind of what this class was, it's not. I'm really going to focus more on what it means to be called and to have a calling to preach on your life. Um, I guarantee you the preaching will do better if the calling is there. So we're going to start with that tonight. Why don't we start with prayer and ask the Lord to help us, all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for all my friends gathered together here tonight. We pray, Lord, that you just give us insight to your word. Help us to understand how you work through us and how you call us to your work in your kingdom, especially, Lord, in terms of preaching the gospel. And we give you praise for that today. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in these lives and how you're going to use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible tonight, why don't you open up your device, however you're doing it, to 1 Corinthians 1 and 17. And I'm going to try to move rather quickly. Um, because this is your night. If you've ever had like questions about calling or your calling, or maybe something we'll talk about tonight, we'll invoke questions. I want to spend some time at the end and just open up the floor for questions. So, I mean, no holds barred, whatever you want. I mean, you start talking about like doctrinal positions and things like that. I'll be glad to have a conversation with you about that, but just try to keep your comments about the topic at hand, which is calling, all right? But I do want to uh, just be here to answer any questions, and, and hopefully some good discussion and dialogue comes out of that too. All right, 1 Corinthians 1 and 17. Paul speaks and says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but, and Paul says, here's what I was sent to do, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world... By wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God made sure that the way to find him, 
and know him would never be through human wisdom. He chose this vehicle called preaching. And, uh, and that is by which um, he would identify himself. He would reveal himself through that vehicle. Um, now, if, if we were to look at that word preaching, uh, just a little groundwork here. That word is actually logos. You're clear up front here, Lauren. Come on up. Hello, yeah. Logos. How many ever heard that word, logos? Right. All right. So, so logos is is it literally it's something articulated, something said, specifically about a specific topic or subject of discourse, and it's done by divine expression. All right. So, and I'm kind of picking and choosing out. The, the Hebrew definition is quite a bit longer than that. But those are some key words. So to kind of summarize and pare that down, preaching is speaking and reasoning about a specific topic by divine expression. All right? So it's the use of the human faculty. It's the use of the, your brain, your thoughts, even your emotions. But this is all by divine inspiration or divine expression. So when we talk about preaching, we're not talking about just putting together a speech. There's lots of gifted speakers and orators, all right? Preaching is with, we would use that old term, is with anointing, right? It's by divine expression. It's a calling. So what we're talking about tonight is a calling to speak in God's stead and reason from God's divine word. And like Paul, so and we're talking specifically about being called to preach the gospel. You know, there, a lot of what people call as, as preachers or I'm a minister or whatever, I get a little nervous with what people are calling ministry these days. Because, you know, anybody that, that uh, works in a church or, um, you know, uh, puts a scripture together, uh, th there is a difference now, to be careful here, there is a difference between, for instance, teaching a Sunday school class or sharing the word of God with somebody and being a preacher, all right? It's not better, it's not worse. I want you to know it's different. What we're talking about tonight is a calling to preach the gospel, all right? So, so if, if, if you're thinking that you know, your calling is anything different than that, it doesn't negate that. It doesn't make it any less. It doesn't make it any less important. But, but we're talking about Paul. Paul said, I've been sent to preach the gospel. And so that's what this class is about. And, and I'm looking across, and please don't take those comments to think, oh, is he questioning why I'm in here? No, not at all. Um, I want you to understand what we're going to talk about. I want you to understand that for two reasons. First of all, so you see the difference between a preacher and say, someone who works in ministry somewhere at a ministry level um, place in the kingdom of God for that reason. And then number two, I want you to understand the importance, the importance of having that calling on your life, the weight of having that call and that burden on your life. Um, so I want to talk to you just, uh, I'm just going to share some truths that I think or out there about calling, the calling of preaching on your life. And then I'm just going to open up for questions and, uh, and then we can share. The first thing I want to share with you is this. 
that a calling to preach, I believe, comes from God. Now that may be like, we know, okay, that elementary, but I want you to understand, this is not a man or a woman or an organization or pressure or upbringing or, you know, your, um, uh, your, your family tree that's, that's calling you. That's not a calling. A calling comes from God. It is a spiritual interaction, a spiritual beckoning, all right? Now, a calling from, is from God, but it is, I believe, God uses others to affirm that calling. For instance, I'll give you an example. That's one of the reasons why we have licensing. A license with our organization affirms a spiritual calling that you have had on your life. And others witness that, they examine it, and they say, we agree, this person is called to preach the gospel. And there is, um, you know, there's precedent for that. I think about the story in 1 Kings 19. The Bible says the Lord spoke to Elijah. Elijah just didn't get up one day and say, hey man, I need an assistant. All right, the Lord spoke to him and said, go return thy way uh, from the way of the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, anoint Hazael to be the king over Syria and Jehu, the son of, of, of Nimshi, thou shalt anoint to be over Israel. Oh, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, thou shalt anoint to be prophet in thy room. All right, so... So it was a calling from God and it would be affirmed by others. Paul would even say, look, he did not, Paul did not aspire to the ministry. He did not just say, you know, work his way up the ladder and say, well, I finally got in with the right group of guys and now I'm preaching for the kingdom. Paul put it this way. Paul said, I think, the, I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, he enabled me for that he counted me faithful. And then he makes this statement, putting me into the ministry. Paul said, God put me into the ministry. That's how you've got to feel about your calling. Okay? Listen, you don't want nor need me to call you to ministry. Even as your pastor. You don't need, uh, you know, um, uh, accolades. You don't need um, uh, accreditation. You don't need things of this world to call. This is a supernatural calling. And everybody in this room has to feel that way. And if you say, well, I don't know, that's all right. You need to continue to pursue. You need to continue to pray until you know. You know that God has called me. Because I can tell you, uh, how many years? 30 plus years, I think now. I'll check the math later. But I think about 30 years of preaching and 30 years of experience, my calling has saved me more than once. More than a dozen times. More than a dozen times I've had to remind myself, look, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what I'm doing. I, I'm frustrated with my ministry. I don't, you know, I'm not where I want to be or where I think I ought to be. All the things that you think about when it's like, okay, I'm called. Now, why aren't things happening? What saves you in that time is that assurance. Does that make sense? Am I making yes. sense here? In the heart that says, you know what? I know I'm called. I can take you to moments in my life where I was very, very confused about what my future was. I remember a time when I was walking around pews in that church up there. No thought, 
and no clear path to anything that I felt like God felt like God was going to make me a pastor and saw no way in the world that was ever going to happen for at least 40 or 50 years. Walking in circles around that, all right? But knowing, God, I, I know what I feel. I know what, what you've told me. I, I know what even others have affirmed in my life, and I got to stick to that. So a calling comes from God. You need to make sure that you feel that God is putting you into the ministry. The Amplified says he appointed me the stewardship of ministry. The, now, what I'll tell you about those moments, those God moments, those supernatural moments where you realize, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm called to do this. I'm, I'm appointed. I'm, God's appointing me to stewardship of this ministry. It usually comes, it doesn't have to. I'm just going to, by my experience, can I, can I give that? All right, I'll give that as a, um, a prerequisite or a, what's the word? I'm, I can't get my words tonight. What? Qualifier. Qualifier, that's a good word. Okay. For me, this calling did not happen in a flash of light in a moment at a wonderful service where the Holy Ghost was slaying people all around me. It just didn't happen that way. Right? And I'm not trying to say that I'm skeptical of people that have those sorts of spirit. God can call people however he wants. Okay? He does not need my permission. He can do whatever he wants. But for me and for people that I have worked with, let me say that. I have found that this calling happens more so in moments, plural, than a moment. Right? That it is a series of, or a process of happening. Because for me, I'm pretty, for one thing, I was very, very young. And number two, I'm very, very stubborn and thick-headed. All right? So God had to take me through a process of, to where I could come to an understanding, okay, that's a settled issue in my life. I'm called to the ministry. So a calling usually comes in moments instead of a moment. Uh, you think about Paul's calling, all right? Um, you could argue and say that Paul's training for the ministry began before he ever even believed in Jesus. Because a lot of what he knew about the Old Testament was learned outside of the New Testament revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? So you could argue, I'm not saying that's necessarily true, that's arguable, it doesn't matter, that was just a fun fact. All right? But what you can't argue is God took Paul through a process. I mean, the Apostle Paul, we read, it's not the Apostle Paul even in the beginning of the book of Acts. And there's years, literally years. You don't realize it when you read. There's years of preparation that went into Paul. The Bible says that, you know, he's on that road. He gets a bright light. He gets a bright light. I wish I got a bright light. He gets a bright light. All right. He falls down, he's on the ground, and he gets a voice that speaks to him and says, Arise, go to this city. He will tell you what you are to do. And so he gets this, this voice that says, I've got something. Here's what Paul knows when he's on his way to Damascus after the light. God's got something for me to do. He's not who I thought he was, and i got to go find out what this is. It was a process that had begun. All right? He gets to... Um, he gets there and he said, what should I do? Arise, go to Damascus. It'll be told, told thee all the things which are appointed for thee to do. And, and even the guy that's going to be the affirmer, even the guy, Ananias, that's going to be the guy that validates the word that he heard on the road is skeptical 
of, of this calling in Paul, right? He's like, uh, God, do you know who this guy is? Uh, he, for all I know, he could have been coming after me. And But well, watch what God does to somebody that's even skeptical of the calling that God has given someone else. He says, go thy way. Don't worry about it. Do it because he is a chosen vessel unto me. Now, there's two people on the planet that know who Paul is. Paul and Ananias. God speaks to Paul. He confirms and affirms and verifies with a trusted leader. Okay? And you know the rest of the story. Paul was baptized and went on to be the superhero of the New Testament. Um, so, a lot of times it's a process. God calls, others confirm, and even direct. And even direct. I was working with somebody today, uh, and nobody even in this church. So working with somebody today, and I was going through this, I just studied this, and they, they told me, they said, hey, you know, I, and when people pray over me, I, I keep hearing people keep saying, Lord, I know you're going to send him. I know he's not going to be here forever. And it's different people that don't know each other, and I keep hearing this. And I told him, I said, pay attention. Pay attention, because while you may feel calling, you may feel comfortable, God uses other people to confirm and direct. And you need to have your ears open for that. So, you know, I, I think about my calling, my moments. Uh, were actually started with many times. I was very, very young when I started, when God started dealing with me about preaching. I didn't know it then. At the time, it was thoughts. It was dreams. It was desires. But what, what made me keep going back to them, even as a young as a young kid, is I could feel God when I had those. That makes sense? So it wasn't just like, hmm, I wonder. It was, hmm, I wonder, and I can feel the Holy Ghost. All right? So, so I think those, when I'm talking about moments, again, God does a calling, a supernatural call. I could feel the call. And so that's a great question for you to ask yourself. Has it gone beyond the logical, you know, process of, hmm, yeah, I think I could put some scriptures together and I'd like to do something for God. And I'm not saying any of that is disingenuous or false in any way. Everybody, everybody goes through times where they try to figure out what is it that I need to do for God, okay? But a good question is, do I feel God when I start thinking, dreaming, talking, considering? Do I feel a, a confirmation of the Holy Ghost? Well, let me ask this. How many of you know what it's like to feel the Holy Ghost? Okay. For the record on the podcast, everybody in this room has acknowledged they know what the Holy Ghost feels like. All right. So a great question when you're considering, man, am I sure of this calling? Do you feel the Holy Ghost when you pray about it, when you talk about it, when you consider it, when you think about it? All right. And again, please, I keep feeling the need to say this. I don't know if it's a Lord or just my own, you know, just being too cautious. But I, am, I say none of this to call into question anyone here. I want you to know. It's to, if anything, it is to confirm and validate and to show you how to do that. Because I'm assuming that what I'm saying, that many of you, if not all of you, have experienced. I, I struggled. Uh, so, so, did you? So, okay. So, um, I had lots of moments I could feel the call. So, pay attention to those things. I did have a trusted leader. Brother Tony Frederick preaches here from time to time. He was a mentor in my life. And at a very, very young age, before I even accepted my call, he helped me to affirm he could see it, sense in the spirit, that there was something, there was anointing, there was a calling on me. And he helped me, not through saying, hey, do you know you're, but through very good questions. Hey, have you ever thought, oh, you have thought about that. 
and things like what I'm teaching you tonight. Do you ever feel God when you feel when you think about those things? I remember a lot of that, that whole conversation happened on a basketball court. That's about where our playground is right now. Right? I had a trusted leader that helped me to confirm that. But I still struggled. Now, this is these days, uh, we're, and, and I think this is great. We're calling, reaching, and pursuing young people to follow their calling at young ages, not to wait till they're 20 and 30 and 40 or whatever and follow them. Nothing against all you old folks in here, all right? But but so so these days, young people, you know, considering ministry. Our Bible schools are full of, of 18-year-olds that have been considering that for, you know, two, three years. But when I was 16, it was unheard of. And I was in a church that the median age was probably, uh, it was above, let's just say it was above 50, okay? I, I used to call the first church the Geritol, you know, just as a joke. But um, so the idea of me getting up to preach in my local church, let alone anywhere else, was appalling to me. I'm just a kid. And I remember the Lord taking me through moments. I remember reading Jeremiah where God, where Jeremiah says, Lord, I, behold, I can't speak. I'm a child. And, and God scolded him and said, don't you say you're a child. Just you go up and, and you, you stand, you open your mouth and, and I'll tell you what to say. I remember going through moments like that. And I finally got to a place where there was tongues of interpretation in the service. And, and basically it was you either come now or don't come at all. And that's, I'm paraphrasing. And it was one of those moments I knew God was speaking to me. And that started my pursuit at its very beginning of it. So all that to say, this happens in moments. So if you're in the middle of those moments and you're trying to, you're trying to pare this down, figure this out, don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated with something that God sometimes has to lead you through. Don't get frustrated that you don't have a testimony that yeah, I went to an altar and the Lord spoke to me and my life's been different ever since and, and, and I'm, I'm set to preach the gospel. Let God take you through the process if he wants to, okay? And then when he does, say, follow me, Matthew, okay? The only option that you should have is, yes, Lord, close down the tax station, get out and follow him. Okay, so first of all, a calling to preach comes from God and is affirmed by others. The second thing I want you to know tonight is that calling to preach is a mantle, not a mission. Okay, it is a mantle, not a mission. Let's go back to Elijah and Elisha. So Elijah gets this, he gets this command, this edict from God that says, go anoint Elisha to be a prophet in your stead. That's a wonderful study. If you study Elijah and Elisha, we have every reason to believe Elijah wasn't really fond of Elisha. If you look at some of the wording, it, it tends to point to the fact that Elijah wasn't too keen on this young whippersnapper, God having this idea that he was going to be replaced. So there's all kinds of neat things we could learn from that, none of which we will talk about tonight. But the Bible says that Elijah was too wise to disobey. So he departed thence. He found Elisha, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed him by. Didn't even talk to him. That's why I say this. Didn't even talk to him. Passed him by, and he cast his mantle upon him. And, and Elisha immediately knew what that meant. I mean, Elijah was well known. His ministry, his, his, prophetic, uh, uh, his prophetic impact 
upon Israel. Well known. And so when that mantle hit his shoulders, he knew exactly what it meant. He ran after Elijah. He said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father, my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said to them, go back again, for what have I done to thee? That's where I kind of get where Elijah's like, I don't care what you do. I'm on my way. God just told me to put a mantle on you. you know. So, and he returned back. He took 12 yoke of oxen. He slew them. He boiled their flesh with instruments of the oxen. He gave unto the people they did eat. And he arose and he went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Now in one verse, in one verse, I want you to understand the life change that happens there. You can read that one verse and say, okay, yeah, Elijah ministered after him. No, Elijah, Elisha's life changed dramatically. And it changed very quickly. When he said yes, when he accepted that calling, it was a mantle on him. It was something for him to wear. I, this is another thing that concerns me with modern day ministry. We use in the kingdom a lot and in church, we use the word mission a lot. The word mission, I did a quick search. It's not in the Bible. The word mission is not in the Bible. All right. Now, I'm not trying to say it's the wrong word to use, but I am trying to say I think it bleeds over at times into people's mentality about being called to preach. Like, I got to, I'm on a, God's put me on a mission. No, God, it's bigger than a mission. A mission has a beginning and a mission has an end. Okay? A mission is a set task. It's got one result. You do it and you're done. All right? I think that's the wrong, you want to use analogies? It's just the wrong analogy. The right analogy is a mantle. It's a cloak. Elisha got a new coat. Okay? God dressed him differently. And in my mind, that's a better analogy of the calling of God to preach on your life. Your life is never the same. You may still be an electrician, Chase, but you'll never be the same if you accept the call of God on your life. You're forever marked as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ by heaven and by earth and by hell. I promise you. And so you need to understand the weight of that mantle, so to speak. That when you say, look, I'm called to preach. Well, just understand, that's a heavy mantle. I want you to consider what Elisha did. He immediately knew. I don't know how he did. God helped him, I suppose. But he immediately knew. I can't, no more can I plow with these oxen. I, I can't stay with my family anymore. Okay? I gotta, I, I'm saying my goodbyes. Now, I'm not trying to tell you all to become hermits or Jesuits somewhere or anything like that. But I am saying this. If if your calling to preach the gospel doesn't change your life, I don't know. I don't know. Either you're not taking it seriously or possibly, and this sounds harsh, but maybe you're not really called to preach the gospel. And there's nothing wrong with that because not everybody can preach the gospel. Not all preach, not all sing, not all. And if you look at our churches, you got what is the percentage of saints and workers in the church Versus actual ministers who preach the gospel, right? Way more saints. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to preach the gospel, I'm telling you, there's a mantle that gets placed on your life that you can't run from. And it, it shades and filters everything. I can tell you from personal experience, you quit jobs because you got a mantle on you. You move your family because you got a mantle on you. Okay? You... you you forfeit things you really want to do because there's a mantle on you. So I want you to understand that, that if you're going to be called to preach, your life is going to change, Elisha. There's some things, there's some yokes you're going to have to split. 
There's some fires you're going to have to build. There, there's some goodbyes you're going to have to say. And I'm not saying necessarily to people. But I'm telling you, if you're going to commit yourself to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's some things you're going to have to say goodbye to. This is what Paul was talking about when he said, there's all kinds of things that are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Now we teach that to the saints, and that's good application there. But I'm telling you, the best application is for preachers. Because there's some things that I can do lawfully, but, the, but you know what? It is not expedient for my mantle. It could, it could mar my mantle. It could reposition, dishevel my mantle. It could cause people to lose confidence in my mantle. Is that, am I making any sense? So, so calling to preach, it's a mantle, not a mission. It's not a set, well, I'm going to do all this, and I'm going I'm to get all the pieces of paper, I'm going to walk through the levels of licensure, I'm gonna, and everybody's going to know my name. No, listen, it's a mantle, not a mission. Missions are things you do, tasks you accomplish. Mantles are things you wear, things that cover you, and things that cause you to say goodbye to some things. I took too long of that. Let me go fast. A calling to preach includes your character. A calling to preach includes your character. Your character has called to preach also. It is not just your gifting and your skills or your abilities. Your personal character is part of you, a very deep part of you. And it is also called to preach, if you are called to preach. Jay, I think it was you that had a quote. I was trying to remember where I heard this quote. I think it was in your Bible study last week when you were teaching about Joseph. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said charisma without character is chaos. Did you say that? Just say yes. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> Whether he said it or somebody else, I'm not sure where I got it, but I wrote it down. I scribbled it down. Somewhere in my notes for this, somewhere I heard it and I put it in my notes here. Charisma without character is chaos. There are a lot of ministers that have that mistake anointing, that mistake charisma for anointing. They're good with people. They're good with words. They're a motivator. Okay. Uh, they're inspirational. They're a good administrator. They're nice. They're good looking. Okay. All the things that I may not have. I won't say which one I don't have. But charisma without character is chaos. And if you've been around armor bearer meetings, you've heard this scripture. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but he must be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. That, that, that's a life scripture for every preacher. It's a life scripture for every called preacher. You're a servant of the Lord and your character, that, that tells you your character matters. You get into Timothy, he starts talking to Timothy about the office of a bishop. Now technically that's an office of an overseer or even the word translates into superintendent. But, but I think it's, this is very, very applicable for preachers too, that they be blameless Husband of one wife, wife of one husband, however, how, you know, apply to you. Vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker. In other words, they don't, they're not a debater, a fighter, or, or quarrelsome. They're not greedy of filth, filthy lucre. They're not money hungry. 
but they're, but they're patient. They're not a brawler, a fighter. They're not covetous. One that's somebody that rules their house well, because who can rule not rule their house and have any sort of have any sort of responsibility in the house of God if you can't even rule your own house? Can't be a novice. Can't be inexperienced. It's got to be a somebody that's pursuing to gain experience and knowledge and ability in the craft and the ministry that God's called him to do. Lest being lifted up with the pride, he fall in the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report, watch this, of them that are without. So, so you've got you to be well known at work and have a good reputation at work. Surprise, surprise. God wants preachers to be Christians. Isn't that amazing? God says, just because you're called to preach doesn't mean that I forgot everything else I asked you to do just as a child of God. I always get tickled when, you know, a lot of times you'll go to meetings or conferences and they'll announce, they'll, you know, bring up the speaker and they'll say, you know, he does this, this, and he's one of the finest Christians I know. I want to say, well, I hope so. I hope we all are, right? We have to qualify that. I just find it funny. So the character of calling to preach is blameless. The character of to call to preach means you have stable relationships. The character of the calling to preach means you're aware, you're vigilant, you're paying attention to what's going on around you in the spirit realm. It means you're self-controlled. means you're experienced. And, and then one word he said, one phrase here, he says that they're given to hospitality. They're people-focused. Can't stand preachers that aren't people-focused. That's like... That's like an affront, I believe, to God. The one reason why he calls us is to preach the gospel. Who's the gospel for? The gospel's for people. Doesn't make any sense to be called. I'm called to preach the gospel, but I'm really not a people person. What? I'm more of an introvert. I'm more of a studier. I'm more of a get, get, in, the, get in the desk somewhere and just get in deep into the word of God. Well, after you've got in deep and after you've studied, you better be able to go to somebody and tell them, what you studied, and tell them what you've learned. You better be able to preach the gospel. Okay? So a calling to preach includes your character. And uh, I'll hit this very... Uh, uh, please don't, don't read into the amount of time that I spent on this as it being unimportant. I'm just I'm running out of time. But a calling to preach demands preparation. Demands preparation. He, he looked at Timothy, who was already pastoring a church, and he told him to study. He's pastoring a church effectively. Okay? And he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He told the pastor that. Okay? So if you're called to preach... You've got to hear Apostle Paul just, you need to study the word of God. He told him, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. In other words, always have a word. You ought to be studying enough that there's always a word rolling up around in there. You want to know why that I was able to speak to somebody? And I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but you want to know why I was able to talk to somebody about their calling and about being directed and about affirmation and what all that means because I was studying it today, right? You'll be amazed what happens when you study how God will use that for you to give a word to somebody else or to preach a word mostly to someone else. And so, so here's what I'm going to tell you. A lot of people that get 
especially young preachers, they get called and they get in this rush. And I understand it. I really do because I was there. They get in this rush. Okay, I, got, I need to do, I got to be evangelist now. I'm going to be a missionary now. Where's my church at? I'm going to go look at the, what churches are open. I'm going to do it right now. And sometimes I even think other, I think people can push kids into that idea. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't rush. I know the Lord's coming soon, but God's got this timing thing all down. Okay? Don't rush. Don't worry. Flow. Flow. Okay? Just, just flow into opportunities. If you're called, God's going to give you opportunities. Stop worrying about timing. Stop worrying about how quick or how slow it's going. And just flow with where you're at. I tell our guys, you've heard me say this before, bloom where you are planted. Just bloom right there. Just grow right there. Just work right there. Well, all I'm doing is I'm just going to pick on Naomi because I know what she's doing. All I'm, I'm just a prayer coordinator. I should be evangelist somewhere. Just coordinate, honey. Just keep coordinating, coordinate. Because if God's called you to be evangelist, there's nothing that'll stop it. Right? right? As, a, as a 20-something-year-old young man, I knew I was going to pastor. Didn't know where, didn't know how, but I knew I was going to pastor. I figured it was probably here. And God took me on such a whirlwind tour. I, I, I tell folks, when I left Bloomington to go work in St. Louis at that church there, I told myself, I'll never go back to Bloomington in my life. Actually, before I went there, I thought, I'll never leave Bloomington. I'll never leave Bloomington. I worked at State Farm. I got a job on purpose. I knew my, I was going to help my father here. I'll never leave Bloomington. I left Bloomington. Went to St. Louis, said, I'll never go back to Bloomington. Came back to Bloomington. You know what I'm saying right now? I'll never leave Bloomington. I think I'm here now. I think. I mean, I only got about 15 years left before, 15 year good ones left before I need to do something else. But here's the thing. Don't rush, just work. Any preacher should work for God wherever and whatever circumstances they find themselves in. All right? Don't rush work. All right. So, what time is it now? 7.43. Okay, perfect. All right, so, there's much more we could talk about, but I wanted to leave this last few minutes for questions. So, don't be shy. There's, uh, literally, there's no inappropriate, dumb, you know, nobody else needs to know that question. Just, if you got questions, raise your hand. I'll do my best to answer them. Anybody have questions about calling to preach? Demands preparation. Includes your character. It's a mantle, not a mission. Comes from God and it's affirmed by others. Anybody have questions? Nothing? You've just been wondering? Chase, you have no question? I'm getting kind of a lot of questions that don't pertain. <laughs> Anybody? I figured there'd be some. Come on. Comments. You got anything you might want to share? Uh, sure. I, I like what you said about um, just trusting the timing and working where you're at. And because I know when I've tried to force 
my way forward into something. It's been a, it's a brick wall, and it usually is painfully obvious. And then, you know, God has steered me in directions that I never would have probably chosen for myself or picked out. And when I've just submitted to what He wanted to do, it, there's a lot different outcome. Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Um, how can I be supportive to someone who is in the season of waiting for, I guess, the next step in their ministry? Boy, I wish my wife was here. She'd be a really good one to answer that, right? Um, well, ministry rarely happens. Well, okay, yes, I'm, I'm just checking my words here. Rarely happens in a single person when they're married, okay? When God calls a preacher, he calls his wife, he calls his spouse, you can't help but be impacted by it. Um, when there's a mantle in the home, there's a mantle in the home. Um, typically, when you have a male minister, wife, I can tell you just practical things. Um, you know, okay, I'm not called to preach, he is, okay? I didn't sign up for this, he did. But I'm, I'm in the same car, so what do I do? I know some of the things I think that can be helpful is to make sure that you foster, for instance, preparation, foster time. I'll just give you my, my wife knows what I have to put into to be ready to preach. And this is outside of administration. That's a whole other thing. We're just talking about preaching tonight. My wife knows what I have to do to prepare to preach. I've developed my own habits. Some of them good, some of them bad, but they are what they are. And so she gives me that space. She knows I need about at least three hours, sometimes four. All right? And she knows that. So, for instance, she's not going to interrupt my time that I'm preparing with the washers messed up. Unless it's like flooding the house or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just trying to come up with something. So she, that's the way that she supports. She knows, you know, we've got grandkids now. She knows, okay, leave Papa alone. Papa's got to study. So, so she supports that aspect. Encouragement. There's no one, and, and I'll just pick on you because you asked, no one in the world that impacts, whose words impact Blake more than yours. Okay? So the affirmation of your support of his ministry, your belief in what God has called him to do, means the world. So being that encouragement, that voice is huge. Giving him that time, understanding all these things that we've talked about and figuring out how do I foster that for him. Does that help? Okay. Jay, were you raising your hand? Oh, I'm just looking at, i got a counter on this recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Any other questions? That was good. Both of them, excellent. Everybody's that clear? Come on, it wasn't that lesson wasn't that good. All right. Yes. Go ahead. Maybe just a comment on uh, Elisha. Yeah. Uh, he uh, after he got the uh, mantle from Elijah, he ripped his uh, garment, and you know that was discarded of. So you know, in, in mm -hmm. ministry, you gotta. Get rid of your your identity and pick up the identity of the ministry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent.
Anybody else? Any other comments, questions? Okay, so let me ask you, did this help? Okay, I mean, you don't have to nod. <laughs> did, and here's what I'm really interested in. Did you learn something you didn't already know? I'll take one, I'll take one. That's okay, that's good. All right. Okay, well, as far as I'm concerned, we're done here tonight. God bless you, thanks for coming.